But I'm going to talk about um, everything that we've talked about in worship, actually. What God has spoken about today is exactly what he'd put on my heart to share with you from Psalm 130. We're going through a series at the moment called um, Disciples in an Instant Society. And it's just looking at the Psalms of Ascent, which are the book of Psalms has the 120 to 134. And it is just songs that the um, Jewish people would have sang as they went up to Jerusalem. Um, and they'd do that three times a year to go and worship God. But on the journey, on the upward ascent to Jerusalem, they go through these songs and they're just full of discipleship moments, moments of how do I become more like a disciple? So today we landed quite nicely uh, on Psalm 130, which is all about hope. It is perfect for a baptism Sunday. Do you know, God always does this. Like my planning is not not this good. (laughs) But we've landed on a great psalm for this moment. So I'm just going to read Psalm 130. I'm just going to read it from the ESV version of the Bible. And it just says this. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark my iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits and His word, in, in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him there is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. If you want to know what the root of Christian hope is, it's verse three and four. And it just says this. If, the, if you, O Lord, should mark my iniquities, my wrongdoings, my sins, O Lord, if you could, who could stand in front of you? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. This one line is the the whole Christian message in a nutshell, and it's perfect right right now. In John 3.16, it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have eternal life. The truth is that we have all sinned. We have all done wrong. We've all done wrong things. We've all done things which don't live up to the expectation that God would place upon a human. We've all gone against his will. We've all made choices which put put wrong upon us. We've all done that. We all stand in that place. And the, the psalm says this, who could stand in front of the perfect God with those wrongs upon them? But with God, there is forgiveness. There is forgiveness for our wrongdoings with God. So we've all sinned. We've all done wrong. The the Bible says that the punishment for sin is death. As in, we all deserve to die and be far from God. So we all deserve that. But God saw our situation. He looked upon us. And he didn't look upon us with anger and kind of, I'm going to smite you down. He looked upon us with great love and compassion. He looked upon us as people who needed a savior, who needed to come down. He looked upon us with great compassion. And so he so loved you, even when you're in darkness, even when you're far from him. He so loves you, even when you're far away from him, even when you're walking in wrong things. He loves you and he's passionate about you. And he so loved you that he sent his one and only son. Jesus Christ came down 
to die on a cross. He was pierced on a cross and he died in our place, taking what the Bible says is the punishment for sin. He died so that you don't have to. He died in your place so that you don't have to. He died and took the punishment that you deserve upon himself. That is how much the Father loves you. That is how much God loves you. Just breathe that in for a minute. He loves you that much that he would come down and he would die for you. And all the call for us to do is to believe in him. That is what the call, all who believe in him will be saved. You put your trust in Jesus. You repent and you say, I'm sorry for the wrong things I've done. And you just say, thank you, Jesus, that you've died for me. A book by Eugene Peterson says this, God is a God who is actively involved in his creation. He is vigorously at work in redemption. He is vigorously at work in redemption. God is not this far away God. He's a God that draws near. He's a God that draws close. He's a God that knows your situation, knows everything that is about you. And he draws near to you because he's vigorously at work in redemption. He wants to redeem you. He wants to pay the price for you. Because he loves you so much. But then the line after that might get you a bit confused and might make you think, actually, that's more what I expected. So that God may be feared. Oh, really? That's not what you've just said. But this picture of fear is actually a a translation of worship and awe. I want you to picture this. I want you to picture a young child coming into the presence of their father. And the father is there. And the father is big, sometimes not as big, but to a child, big. And he provides security, and he provides safety, and he provides love, and he provides provision. And there's this awe of the child as they see their father. And all they want to do is run up to the father and hug and kiss and be close to the father. This is the picture. There's an awe in that picture from the child to the father. This is the picture of fear in scripture. If you have believed in Jesus, you're no longer condemned and you can stand in the presence of your father. You can be in your father's presence, the eternal father forever. Because he has made a way for you to be in his presence. So this fear is, a, is a, an awe and a wonder. And you can come into the presence of God and you can be awed and wonder at the fact that he is a father. That is the predominant way that Jesus taught his disciples to treat God. Father. He kept on saying it. Call him father. Go to the father. I've been with the father. And he taught us again and again. God is a father that loves you and is passionate for you. That is your security. Is your hope. And this is the reality. This is the Christian hope. I was driving home from the centre yesterday. I'd borrowed the mark, uh, like a gazebo and I hadn't put the, the sticks in the car quite right. And every time I braked, all the sticks came forward. Uh, and I was like, oh, my goodness, my sound system. Most of you know I, I've just got a newish car. I don't want my sound system broken. But they kept on coming forward and they kept on. The kids were having a hilarious time. They were laughing at me, stressing out because I'm like, I'm good. I just need to drive really carefully, really slowly. Um, And I just hoped that they wouldn't smash my car up. I was just living in a hope that they might not do that. Sometimes we think of hope in that way. 
like it's just chance, like it's just luck, like it's just this, oh, I kind of hope that might happen. But that isn't the Christian hope. The Christian hope is based in Jesus dying on that cross. The Christian hope is in the father who has adopted you into his family. The Christian hope is the father who calls you his children. And that is what you are, dearly loved children. But the first verses might not kind of ring true with that either. Because the first verses, verse 1 and 2, say this. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice for my pleas for mercy. This person isn't in a comfortable place. This person writing the psalm isn't just saying, oh, this is really easy. Life is good. Life is, let's go. This is fantastic. They're saying, actually, they're in a, a place of deep hurt and trouble. And they're calling out to God saying, hear me, open your ears so that you would listen to me. Do you know there is no promise in scripture that life will be completely easy when you become a Christian? There is no promise in scripture that says, I'm going to pluck you out, just hang you and hover. You watch all the other people suffer, but you're going to be okay. There is no promise in scripture scripture that you are going to live this easy, diff, uh, easy life. And the truth is that Jesus said that you will have troubles and many troubles at that. That's what the scripture says. And so we have to know that there will be moments on our journey where our personal cost is incredibly high, where we're thinking, oh, God, how can I go on? Oh, Lord, how can I do this? There'll be moments where people around us are suffering so much that we're like, oh, God, how do I carry this burden? How do I carry this weight? There'll be moments where we're like, oh, God, why do you not hear my cry? There'll be moments where you open the news and the weight and the sin in the world will weigh heavily upon you. At the moment, every time I read the news and there's been a, a new murder or a child done this, or you know, like I just have the weight of the world on me. And I'm just like, Lord, where are you in the midst of this? Romans 8 says that creation groans. Creation is groaning, longing for salvation longing for creation to be made new. Creation is longing as well as us. There is pain, there is hurt, there will be difficulties. I remember we had someone living with us for a while, uh, a guy and his, his family had moved away, not separate, but he couldn't leave because he had to stay here for work. And I remember one day when he'd been looking for work for time after time, thinking, when will this break? When will I get reunited? When will I go? And I remember he thought no one was in and he went up to his room and he just started yelling out in pain and going, oh, God, what is going on? And I just heard this. And at that time, I was like, that is deep calling out to deep. That is the depth of our, depth of our emotion. But there's real truth in this. No matter how deep you go. God is deeper. No matter how deep you go, the depth of God is deeper. God is often found in the margins. God is often found at the boundaries of life. When you read uh, the feeding of the 5,000, it's one of the best things that most people have heard. You know, Jesus makes these tiny things feed thousands of people. But in the lead up to that, Jesus has just been told that his cousin has been beheaded, been killed. The disciples have just got back from a ministry trip where they're tired and exhausted. And what they're doing is they're withdrawing to a quiet place so that they can encounter the Father and be refreshed in him. But in the margins of life, in the boundaries of life, God shows up powerfully. 
Jesus often sat with people who shouldn't be in community. There was a woman who bled and was meant to not be in the presence of other people because she'd make them unclean. This woman touches the hem of Jesus's cloak and is completely healed. In the margins of society, at the boundaries of society. There's a story of the lepers. And in the day of Jesus, the lepers would have to sit outside the city. They weren't allowed in the city, so they didn't make people unclean. And this leper runs up to Jesus and he says, you can make me clean again. And Jesus had pity on him, had compassion on him. And he laid his hand on him. Do you know what that says? He laid his hand on him and he said, be clean in the name. Be clean. And he made him clean. That leper was on the, on the boundaries of society. But in the boundaries, God shows up. And that's what I want you to be confident of. If you feel like you're in a season where you're in the boundaries or in the depth, you cannot go away from the God's presence. He is your father who has adopted you. If you have accept Christ, he has adopted you into his family. You are his. He has called you his. And he will meet you in the depths. And you will see amazing things happen. I love the way that this psalm, it's mostly I, 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 but then at the end it goes into Israel. The last two chapter, last two verses, there's a thing about community. There's a thing about God calling us as a community together to walk through these things together, to encourage one another, to love one another. If you're suffering, I just want to encourage you to take off the mask and share it with someone. Share the walk, share the journey. This is not just about you doing a journey, but you journey with one another. There's a community and an I. I love this psalm. It's incredible. The final thing I'm just going to say is this. Wait. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits in his word, I hope. My soul waits, Lord, more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. In an instant society, it gets lost that sometimes we need to be patient. But in the waiting, we meet with the Father. Waiting isn't a passive thing. It's not just I'm going to sit here until God comes to me. It's an active participation in scripture. It's a, a while I wait, I will worship you. While I wait, I will build expectancy. While I wait, hope will increase. While I wait, there will be healing. While I wait. Hebrews says this. After waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. There's a thing in scripture that we need to learn. And it's waiting upon the Lord. He is the one that brings the breakthrough. He is the one. I've been meeting people recently. And lots of people are going through rather difficult things and rather awkward things. And I'm meeting with them and I'm, the only answer I've got for them is how are you waiting upon the Lord in this season? How are you waiting upon him? I want to encourage you to be people who wait. So the Christian hope is this, that Jesus Christ has died for you. That you have been adopted and he, the father, is your father. That you are his children, that he loves you. And on the journey, there'll be tough times, but God will be with you in them. And I want to encourage you to wait on the Lord, because in that place you will be strengthened.
in that place you will know his presence. I'm just going to pray and then it's time for the thing we're all waiting for. So Father, I just I thank you that you're in this place. I thank you that you're the God who draws near. I thank you that you're our Father. I want to I pray for anyone in this room now who does not know you as Saviour. And I pray, Father, that you would draw near to them. I pray that you would show them how much you love them, Lord. I thank you that you're a God of abundance, Lord Jesus. I thank you that you're a God of kindness, a God of mercy, a God who reaches out to us. And I pray now, Lord God, that you would reach out to people in this room. I pray that you would open eyes to the truth of the hope that we have in you, King Jesus. King Jesus, be in this room now. Our ever-present help in time of trouble. King Jesus, come. I thank you that you meet us in the waiting, Lord. And we just say we trust you. We have faith. And we believe that you've begun something in us, Lord Jesus. And you will see it through to completion. We place our trust in you, King Jesus. In your precious name, Lord. Amen.